Okay, so we're going to do a quick review of our first few days of friendship, besties for the resties. Okay, so right, the first day we looked at how we all love friendships, right? Like most of the movies we watch, most of the TV shows we watch, all are centered around the idea of friendship. We looked at where our relationships, like where does that desire for relationships come from? We looked at the idea that we are created in the image of a communal God, right? Like we looked, we looked at the Trinity, looked at Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image and what that looks like for us. <clears throat> We looked at a few definitions of what friendship is. We looked at Tim Keller's definition that says you've got two people who are speaking truth to one another, journeying towards the same horizon or the same goal. We looked at what C.S. Lewis said. He says that friendship is a moment where two people look at one another and say, What? You two? I thought I was the only one. And we looked at how The Greatest Showman is a great example of this where you had a bunch of oddities, as they were called, kind of outcasts socially, and yet they found solace in the fact that they had that in common. So they became friends because they were equally outcasts. We looked at what is the purpose of relationships, and specifically friendships, right? Like all relationships are to bring about the kingdom of God and within friendships. It can act like sandpaper or iron sharpening iron where we are pushing one another towards Jesus and towards sanctification. We looked at where do we get friendships. We looked at how we are constantly surrounded by friends and people and how can we bring those people in from acquaintances into being friends with them. We looked at the power of prayer, right? We've got to be praying for friends and future friends. Because there's no answered prayer without prayer first. And then we took a little bit of time and looked at some biblical examples of friendship. Looked at David and Jonathan, right? That's a very sacrificial friendship. Two people from opposite worlds. One's the son of a king. One's the son of a shepherd. But the Bible tells us that their souls were knit together. We looked at how David adopts Jonathan's crippled son, Mephibosheth. And that act is a very sacrificial act. We looked at Ruth and Naomi, where you had Naomi is the mother-in-law of Ruth, and how Ruth doesn't leave Naomi, but yet she is loyal to her after her husband dies, and says, where you go, I will go, your people will become my people. We also looked at the lame man whose friends brought him to Jesus. We saw that that was a very determined friendship. We saw that they carried their friend to see Jesus, saw that it was crowded, did not just go home, but made a way to get their friend to Jesus. And so that begs the question, are we the type of friend that knows that Jesus is the ultimate healer? And are we willing to bring our friends to Jesus to be healed? Then day two, right, we moved into marks and threats of friendships. We looked at the four C's of friendships according to Tim Keller and that are outlined in Proverbs. We looked at constancy, which just means are we faithful friends, are we dependable. We looked at candor, right, that's the ability to speak truth and love as friends, right, Proverbs 27.5 tells us... um, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of the enemy. Um, we realize that a real friend loves the friend more than the friendship and is willing to risk that friendship 
to tell them the truth, even though it can be hard, but it also takes being a friend. It does not say faithful are the wounds of an acquaintance, but it says faithful are the wounds of a friend. We looked at um, carefulness, right? Like there is an appropriate time to say something in an appropriate time to be quiet, right? We looked at the idea of singing a song super early in the morning, even if it's a great song, is going to be counted as a curse, not a blessing. We kind of go back to that scripture in Proverbs 27:14, And then we talked about counsel, right? Like the idea that part of being a friend is being someone who can give advice within a biblical friendship. We want that advice to be honoring to Jesus and advice that's going to encourage our friends and not discourage them. We want it to um, encourage loving Jesus and not sinful patterns. And we just look at the whole idea that friendship a lot of times is like sandpaper, right? Like we are constantly buffing each other out of our rough edges. Um, And then we looked at threats of biblical friendship, right? We looked at how our own sin can get in the way of things, how we can be selfish and make everything about us and always blame the problem on someone else. They are so annoying. They don't understand us. When we rarely say, I am not patient, so it's hard to be a friend with me. I am self-centered, so it's hard to be a friend with me. We looked at what it looks like to be a safe person. Um, Roe Taylor, an RUF guy, says, A safe person is someone who is deeply aware of their sinful state, how bad we are, which makes us know better than someone else. We realize we need Jesus just as much as our friend. So a lot of times, um, being a safe person looks like we're not judgmental, and that can be really hard because our sin, once again, can get in the way of that, and we can think that we're better. Um, We looked at how we can misunderstand the gospel, right? We look... We don't always remember that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We can think that we are defined by our sin. And when we don't understand that we are a new creation, sometimes that can cause us to be closed off and not open and honest with our friends because we might think we're too bad when the gospel says we can never be so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And then we looked at false expectations, right? Like we cannot expect to have 40 best friends, right? Jesus was surrounded by crowds constantly, yet he had 12 disciples and then an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. So we have limitations in our friendships, like a a capacity um, that we are limited in how many best friends we can have. And so we don't want to disappoint ourselves by not having 80 best friends. And so today we are going to keep going. And what we're talking about today is real friendship in the age of social media. So kind of first and foremost, we're going to look at our words on social media. Second, we're going to look at how social media can trick us. And then third, we're going to look at so what, what do we do now? All right, so first off, I love social media. I have basically all of it except TikTok because I think it's interesting. I can't sing and I cannot dance. Um, Yeah, so social media, it's a good thing. Don't think this is about to be me ranting about social media and how it's bad for us. But with anything, right, there is a way that we can use it for good, um, that we want it to be helpful, not hurtful to us. So it's going to take a few minutes to look at that. Uh, One thing I think that's good to know about social media 
is it can help us facilitate friendships but it does not make friendships. They cannot exist only in social media. There has to be some real life companionship that goes alongside of it. Um, so the first thing we're going to talk about is our use of words on social, social media. So how many people, how many words do you think are in the Webster's Dictionary? Somebody give me a guess. 372. 372. Maybe a little more. 571. Go in like the hundreds of thousands. This is from a Google search, so not like the actual dictionary. 300,000. 300,000. Keep going up. 500,000. Go a little lower than 500,000. 400,000. Keep going up. 470,000. 470,000. So you were very close. Yeah, so right, like, we have hundreds of thousands of words. So it must be important, right? Like, people are literally inventing new words every day. There's always, like, words of the year and, like, new words that they talk about. So if you think about it from a developmental stage, I'm really into science. And so words, like, the use of words is a sign of development, right? Like we celebrate when babies learn how to speak. They say their first words, it's a huge deal. Um, and then as we continue to grow, word usage can be a sign of maturity, right? Like when is it appropriate to talk? When is it not? Like y'all are all really silent right now because I'm talking and I never told you to be quiet. Like you just have a social awareness of if someone's talking, I'm gonna listen. So if we have all these rules that kind of the world can give us. We also want to look at how the Bible teaches us we need to use words. Right, like I told you on the first day, if I'm just up here and I tell you my thoughts, but I don't tell you anything about the Bible, you should leave because the Bible is a source of truth, and so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So do we have anybody who can read for us? Yes. All right, two people right here. All right, well, one of you look up Proverbs 18, verse 21. I'm there. She's there. I'm there. Oh, okay, you're there. Okay, so this is going to be Proverbs 18:21, And what to listen to with this is there's two uses of words, and we're going to talk about the two uses. All right, go for it. Life and death are in, power, are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, what does it say, the two uses? There's, there's what in the power of the tongue? Life and death. Life and death, right? So there's this idea that we can either bring life or we can bring death with our words because um, there's the power of the tongue. Like there is a power in our words. So how many of you can think of a time that you have been encouraged by someone? Not a lot of y'all. Okay, that is sad. Okay, there's some more hands. Okay, all right. How many of you can also think of a time that you have been hurt or discouraged by words? All right, look around, right? Me too. That's friendship. Okay. Um, yeah, so like we have all experienced being on the receiving end of encouraging words, but we have also been on the receiving end of words that can bring about death to us, right? That can be hurtful. So... This is just like a funny example of like how we can always remember things that are hurtful versus remembering things that might be helpful. So I am 25, going on 26, and in college I was with a friend of mine. We were like walking, talking, and a girl came up to me and she was talking to me. We went to high school together, and the girl walks away. And I looked at my friend and I said, oh, don't you know her too? The only thing she said about this girl 
who she knew her whole life was, yes, in first grade she told me I had on boy shoes. So that was like 15 years ago, and that's the one thing this girl remembered was that the girl in first grade had said, your shoes look like boys. They're probably like blue shoes in like a first grade that looks like boy. But anyways, beside the point. So like, we are able to remember so clearly when people can hurt our feelings with words, and yet so often people are encouraged by them. So that's just like a word to the wise. We want to be encouraging people with our words and not discouraging because people will remember if you are discouraging with your words. There's a great quote, you know, that people don't always like remember what you say or what you do, but how they made you feel. Um, and that's so true with words, right? Like, we might not remember the specific phrase someone said, but we will remember how we felt when we left them. And so you can use words for good or for bad. But also, like, the lack of using words can also not be helpful, right? There's a quote that says, Silence in the face of injustice is complicity with the oppressor. So, like, if the three of us are having a conversation and she says that I'm super annoying, might be true, but she says that, and she doesn't say, no, she's not, then, like, I might feel like she disagrees, right? Like, so we can use our words to stick up for people, um, instead of just being silent all the time. I think this is easy when we can get in circles and like start talking about somebody and if no one says, well, I don't actually think that, then like we might assume that they also think that. So the Bible talks to us about the power of words, right? Like life and death can be found in them. Alright, where's my other reader? You got, you got me. Okay, so... We're going to look at Proverbs 10, verse 19. Will you read that one for me? Proverbs 10, verse 19. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is wise. Great. All right, do you hear that? Like, when we are just talking incessantly, we are likely to sin. Like, it is present. But whoever learns how to control their lips, Monzina says, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Um, but there's a control factor, right? Like, part of that maturity of learning how to use words is learning how to control our use of them and when. Um, all right, raise the hands. So when we did this earlier. How many of y'all have ever been hurt by words? Right. How many of y'all have probably hurt someone by your words? Right. Okay. So we've been on the receiving end of both of these. And sometimes it's a lack of control on our part, right? Like we don't even think about it. And we just offhandedly say comments. Um, and that can be hurtful. And I think, too, it's good to remember here that Jesus can identify with us in this, right? Like sometimes we might feel super alone when we get hurt. But Jesus also identifies with us in the fact of being hurt by words. Can you all think of some ways that Jesus was probably hurt by words? Alright, what about the cross? Right, people were like mocking him. Like, oh yeah, that's the king of the Jews. Okay, alright. So like some, maybe some sarcasm there. Alright, what you got? They also spit on him and put a Yeah. Yeah, they, they did. They stood on him and they put a crown of thorns. What you got? Well, Jesus was God, and when people didn't acknowledge that, I, 
some called it a different thing, like the sorcerer or something like that. It probably didn't feel Yeah, they probably told lies about him, like, oh, that's just a sorcerer. Oh, that's just a carpenter. Um, and you think too. Right, like everywhere Jesus went, there were massive crowds that followed him, like town to town. I would bet a lot of money that there were probably some gossipers, right? Like, oh, who is that? I bet he's this guy. I bet he's that guy. Um, and also, like once again, right, like our silence can sometimes speak louder than words. Do y'all realize that like no one was at the cross when Jesus died? Like the disciples were asleep. The disciples have gone home. The disciples doubted and like sold him out. Um, right? So like that's an example of how our lack of words can even be hurtful. So once again, don't ever think that you're alone in this and the fact that we're hurt by words because Jesus was hurt by words and knows what that feels like. Um, how many of y'all have heard the new Taylor Swift song that came out like four days ago? What's it called? Calm down. Right, calm down, is that it? Okay, uh, this is not like pro Taylor Swift. This is just an example. So this is a line she says in it that I thought was brilliant. She says, You are someone that I don't know, yet you're taking shots at me. Say it in the streets, that's a knockout. But say it in a tweet, that's a cop-out. So Taylor Swift, not a Christian artist, but yet she gets something about our human nature, right? Like she is saying... If we were talking about people we don't know, right? Like, you don't know me, but you're taking shots at me. So a lot of times we say things about people who we don't know. And that if we go and say something to someone in the streets, like face-to-face, it's going to hold more power to it. But yet so often we hide behind a keyboard or our iPhones and that's a cop-out. Like, do y'all get what she's saying in that? Like, there's a power in our words and the ability to like go and have a conversation versus hiding behind our smartphones. I think an easy way to think about this is, you know, how often, I don't know if y'all have them, but Finstas, spam accounts, whatever you want to call them, um, I think it's really easy to put up a picture and say something vague like, I can't believe she did that to me. And like your best friends will know exactly what you're talking about, but everyone else is like, what is that about? So like it's super easy to hide behind these things, right? Like, you're not talking to the person who clearly has transgressed against you, but you are saying it behind a picture that you might never even see. Um, this is something I'm super guilty of. I can be pretty sarcastic. Y'all might get like a little glimpses of my personality this week, but I can be pretty sarcastic. Um, and sarcasm can be super hurtful to people, right? Like. It's so easy for us to say, oh, we're just kidding. Or my favorite is like when we add LOL to the end of a text message. <laughs> LOL, just kidding. Um, or a lot of times like we're saying something that we totally believe in and think is true, but yet we'll add like a little caveat of like, oh, but I'm just kidding. It's like, y'all, like, that, that's a cop-out, right? Um, we're trying to cover ourselves and cover that sin without acknowledging it. Um, but the good news here, right, is that while yes, we have all hurt people by our words and have hurt, the good news is that Jesus has been hurt by them and gets that, but He also forgives us for what we have done against people. Um, so I think if anything today, if you all walk out of here 
with the acknowledgement of you have hurt people with your words as I have hurt people with my words and like I need to take that sin to go get cleansed by Jesus because he's the only one who can. So that's just like a little caveat on words and how we can use them on social media and in real life um, but especially social media because that's more relevant right now. Okay, and now we're going to look at some ways social media can trick us. Okay, how many of you... Let me do this. Do I have a volunteer? You don't even know what this is. You're just going to raise your hand for it. All right, you're the first hand I saw. Okay, I'm going to let you look at, my, look at my Instagram. And you're going to tell us what you learned about me. You have like 15 seconds. Just start naming things you learned. You have a lot of friends. You probably hang out with friends. Social media can tell us about someone, right? Like, they can tell us if someone hangs out with their friends a lot. Can tell us maybe a sports team they cheer for. It can tell us what concerts we go to. It can tell us what their siblings look like. It can tell us um, maybe like the kind of clothes they wear, like the brands they enjoy. Um, it can tell us um, things about us. But so after you look at my Instagram. Do you, like, know who I am? No. No. Right? So we have this, like, false idea. This is how social media can trick us, right? It's like, we can have however many followers we have, and that sometimes can make us think that every single one of those people is our friend. And, like, they all know us. When in reality, they don't. Like, they know about us. They don't know us. And with that, too, like, all they know about us is what we want them to see. Well, this is not a, a call to make Instagram casual, but I'm just putting the point out there of like, we rarely are putting up our terrible days. Like, we're rarely putting up things that like really upset us. But so often it's like, here's my perfect friend group and we look so great at the beach and we're all tan. Or like, here's my, here's me in the grove and I look great all the time. No, y'all, that is not true. Um, but we put that out there for people to see. So, like, we can be tricked by social media, right? Like, I can think this girl has a perfect life, and I envy that life. Like, I see what she has, and I want it. But in reality, if I knew it, I might not want her life at all. Um, so it can give us, like, a false idea of who someone is and what their life is like. And I think, too, we can develop, like, a sense of worth based on our social media. This is some of y'all might have done this before. There's no shame in this. I just think it's interesting because I don't have the money for it. But you can buy followers for this kind of stuff. We had a kid in our youth group spend a thousand dollars got our mom's credit card, thousand bucks on followers. So you can imagine how those words are being used. <laughs> um, and like there is literally a monetary worth be attached to followers, right? Like, you might think we are great if we have X amount of followers. Um, like, I literally remember I got Instagram when I was in college, and I remember, like, hitting 100 followers, and I was like, yes, triple digits. Um, 
I don't know why. I actually can remember that. I was like, yes, I finally got to 100. I don't know if it was like the perfection of like 100 and it looks clean. But anyways, um, like we can put some worth in like how many people we think know us when in reality they don't know us. Um, this is just a, an example I thought was like the most bizarre thing ever and y'all might equally do this and if you do, let me be the first to tell you it's weird and not normal. <laughs> um, so how many of y'all have Snapchat and have streaks with people? Streaks, a.k.a. like you, you, you take a picture of, send to them every day. So we were at Seaside over spring break with students and we're in line to get food and pickles. I remember like it was yesterday. And I'm sitting there with some students, and this group of girls walks out behind us. And I was like, hey, isn't that that girl that goes to school with y'all? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, you send her pictures all the time, because half the time it's during my small group, so I know exactly who she is. And I said, were you going to say hello to her? And she was like, no, absolutely not. I was like, you spend time every day to send this person a picture of your face, but yet you want to say hello to her in real life? Y'all, that is weird. So, just, just know that that is not normal. Um, so, once again, it makes you think you have these friends, but yet they don't even acknowledge you in real life. That is weird. Um, so, yeah, if that's you, say hello to them. Like, I felt secondhand embarrassment for her. I was like, this is so awkward. Please say hello. I will say hello for you. Um, then this is just kind of a side note. I really like science um, and like brain science in particular. And so doing some research for all of this, if y'all realize when you get notifications, whether it's like a text message or like especially social media, even like the, the fact that the notification is red, like there's a marketing tactic to that. Um, but dopamine is released in your brain and dopamine is like kind of a happy chemical, right? Like, yeah. you can, if you like eat something you really enjoy or like to the extreme if you're addicted to cocaine and you hit cocaine you get dopamine released. Um, yeah, like, social media has tapped into this and you literally get reinforced that this is a good thing and it can almost like outweigh some of the really good things, right? Like, I hope that you would get more excited about seeing your friend in real life than you would be about some person you met three years ago liked your photo. Like, can y'all see how that can, over time, be kind of dangerous? So just a side note, a way that you can kind of cut down on that and start to like retrain your brain is if you have notifications turned on, like automatic ones, like where they come to the front of your phone, you can turn those off. Um, so you have to like go to the app to get them just because it's a constant distraction, right? Like you're constantly seeing who has liked your stuff and it like consumes you. Or at least it would me. I don't know. Maybe y'all are not that way. Um, and then another thing that social media can do is it can actually distance us from real people, right? Like how often are we sitting with a group of friends and we're Snapchatting someone who we met like one time we wouldn't even say hello to in real life or we're looking at someone's spring break pictures yet you're surrounded by people right in front of you um, yeah so like I say all this to say social media is fine I enjoy it I use it all the time but don't miss how it can take the 
place of real friendships if we're not careful. Like you can use it for good, you can make plans with people, but you got to get out there. So it's kind of like the so what, what do we do now section of all of this? Kind of what we just said, we've got to make a point to get out there and like actually be friends with people, right? You can use your phone to make plans, but if all you're doing is not actually going and growing those friendships, they're going to be empty and they won't be super deep. And I think, too, what this can look like is if you're with your friends, put your phones up. We do this with small groups. Like, we'll just make a stack of phones and not touch them. And it can be really uncomfortable at first because you're like, if I get awkward, the first thing I do is look at my phone and, like, scroll. And you can't do that, so you have to, like, actually talk to someone. So push through the awkwardness, become friends with people. And then I think we need to make a point to actually appreciate the people right in front of us. I think at this age, it's easy to take it for granted like if someone moves you you will rely heavily on social media to see what they're doing and keep up with them like I went to college graduated a few years back and so now my friends are kind of scattered everywhere and so social media can be a great way to keep up with them kind of what they're doing kind of big stuff in their life so you know like I have a friend who teaches in Dallas and she posts pictures of her students all the time and so that's a great way I can keep up with what she's doing and then I can use that when I call her and say, hey, how did that go? Hey, how was graduation? But So that's a way that we can keep up with people when they're not actually in front of us. But if we miss the people in front of us, then we're not being a great friend of them. And then I think we need to take an honest look at how much time we spend on social media. This is where I get really guilty. The new phones, you know, have a screen tracker. You can track how many times you pick it up. You can track how many hours a day you spend on social media. I literally spend hours. So, like I said, I'm the chief of centers on this one. Um, you know, I think it's super gut-wrenching to think how much time am I spending in the Bible versus on Snapchat, right? Like, do we spend 30 minutes making TikTok or do we spend 30 minutes reading the Psalms? Um, again, that's something that I've been convicted of in prepping for this and so just something to think about and then I think too as we're using social media, right like it can be good or it can be harmful how many of y'all know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out um, it's kind of described as that lonely feeling when you see something happening and you're not there and so I think with social media one of the ways we can be Caring for our friends, right? That's one of Marks as carefulness is that we're conscious of what we're posting. So this can look like if we're all at a birthday party, like a birthday dinner or whatever, we're spending the night. If someone's not invited or couldn't make it, is posting that you're there going to make them sad? Um, is it going to cause them to be hurt by that? In the last class, somebody raised their hand and said, yeah, you know, like National Best Friends Day was a few weeks ago, and they were really hurt because they, they did not make it into a picture. All right? So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying we need to be conscious of what we're posting so that we're not hurting someone in the process. And a lot of times it's not something that we're doing on purpose, but just something we need to be aware of. And, and this is where I differ from y'all, right? Like, when I was y'all's age, Facebook was it. 
and Facebook, like if you hung out with people on the weekend, they waited a few days to like upload the photos versus now you can see in real time like what is happening all the time. So, which is how it's different a little bit now. And then fourth, we have to just rest in Jesus, y'all. Like, if we are looking for friends to give us worth, if we are putting our worth that we can be the very best friend possible, we're still going to be disappointed and we will disappoint someone else. Um, we have to rest in who Jesus says we are, right? Like, we are clothed with His righteousness, not how good of a friend we are, not how bad of a friend we are. Um, and we also have to take time to learn about Jesus, right? Like, we have to read our Bibles to see who He was as a person and as a friend because the more we know about Him and the more we desire those things, the more that we will emulate Him and become that friend. So yeah, so I would just encourage you all to, to look this week at your friendships and what they look like. Are they friendships that are honoring and pushing us towards Jesus or are they discouraging us and encouraging sinful patterns and then as we are friends like how can we encourage our friends how can we be careful and love them well speak to them in truth from a place of love and then you know like if Jesus is not your friend already this is an invitation for him to be your friend right like find a youth leader find somebody um, and help them, let them help you walk through that because there's nobody else that can be a better friend than Jesus is. So on that, we will pray and then we can talk about some books and some questions. You know, I'm going to let you minutes early. That works for you all. All right, dear Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you that you are the ultimate friend to us. Lord, the friend that will never leave us and you'll never forsake us and you'll never say a mean thing about us. But Lord, you tell us that you love us all the time. And you're constantly there, and you never fall asleep on us. Well, thank you for this great week, and help us to just continue to see what it looks like to have peace with you, um, but as our Lord and Savior and as our friend. And thank you so much. Amen. All right, let me stop this.